When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. Also, you can find us on Dash Radio. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. We're there every day from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Also, my new show on OnsideRadio.com. Greg made an appearance there with me last week. I'm there every day from 10 a.m. until noon. Again, that's OnsideRadio.com. We cover all the South Florida sports there, as we do at FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out. F-I-V-E ReasonsSports.com. All the latest stories from Brady Hawk. And more, and we've added some new people to our coverage team. So make sure you check them out. Also, check out the most fun fantasy game, daily fantasy that's going right now. And that, of course, is prizepicks.com. Use the code five. Had a lot of fun with it this weekend, even won a couple of times. Uh, thanks to Goran Dragic with a, a late basket, actually put me over the top. Make sure you check out prizepicks.com. This is the new way to play daily fantasy. You just basically pick players to go over or under their fantasy projections. They're rolling out the single stats in NBA this week, too. So make sure that you check that out, too. Use the code five. You will get your deposit matched. And when you play prizepicks.com, you can play not only NBA, but also play the NFL playoffs. You can play college basketball, just about anything there at prizepicks.com. So use the code five. Have fun. Win money. The new way to play daily fantasy. And now today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to five on the floor. A daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reason Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. We've got the three of us today, myself, Greg Sylvander. You can follow Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander on Twitter. You can follow Alex Salito at Tropical Blanket. Again, you can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick or at Five Reason Sports. Now, we're, there's a lot of stuff going on, obviously. Um, the Heat are four and seven. Embarrassing home loss. I don't know that the home matters so much, but embarrassing loss to the Detroit Pistons when you did have some of your players back, didn't have Butler, Bradley, or Hero, uh, but got a bunch of other guys back, including Bam and Dragic, were up with, had a four-point lead at the half, still lost the game by 20 with an embarrassing second half. And look, we know that everybody's angry. There's a million different things going out on Twitter. This is what we want to focus on today. Greg, do you think that this team... And I know you put out a bunch of stuff on Twitter today about what really matters. I know you said the rebounding, the turnovers. That's what we've talked about here on five on the floor and what really doesn't matter as much or is not as sustainable in a bad way. Does this team need a shakeup move just for the sake of a shakeup move? Not yet. I'm not there yet. I think eventually you could see it trending in that direction. And I'm sure that there's probably a lot of listeners that will um, adamantly disagree with me and say, yes, that there's a move to be made immediately. But I, I just feel like ultimately you can't really 
um, in good conscience, say you're evaluating this roster without Jimmy Butler playing extended stretches for long, you know, like we, we got to see a month of Jimmy Butler, at least before I'm going to, um, you know, make firm declarations on this roster. We obviously know where the holes are. It's in a lot of the uh, areas of the game that we generally look to the front court to solve, whether it be rebounds, block shots, um, you know, things like that. But then there's also the turnover issue. So you've got this like weird mix of re uh, of, of big man stats with point guards who or all guards who, can, who aren't really taking care of the ball. And then when you're not, when you're in the middle of the pack of a three point shooting team, um, I just feel like this is more of an internal thing than an external thing at this point. And to that end, um, and before I bring Alex in here, I've covered heat teams that have not come back the next year, the way that they should have. We've talked about the 2006, 2007 team after winning a championship, they didn't come back particularly motivated. Uh, th there's been a handful of those in heat history, not a lot, but there's been a handful of those. Um, I feel like some of that is going on here, but I also feel, and I know people are going to get on me. They're going to say, these are excuses. These are reasons we're trying to identify reasons that this is happening. Okay. One reason of course, potentially is, the very short break that they had, which along with the Lakers was the shortest break in the league. Another reason of course, is the fact that they seem to have been hit harder by this whole COVID thing than a lot of other teams. And they won't seem to just fake injuries. Like it seems like some of these teams are doing to make sure that they don't have the requisite eight. So they got caught on the wrong side of it where they would have had an advantage against Boston. They didn't end up having the advantage against Boston. Then they had a disadvantage twice against Philadelphia. Again, I'm not excusing, excusing the Detroit loss. Okay. But the two against Philadelphia, you figure you probably would have gotten a split there. Um, so I do think some of that's at play. The one thing you got to look at right now is Jimmy Butler is eighth on the team in minutes. Iguodala, I believe, is sixth. Olenek is third. There is no way that that was the plan for this season coming in. So those are all, again, not excuses, but they're reasons. But with that being said, Alex, this just this team doesn't look like they're playing with the same joy, the same passion, or any of the other things that we talked about with the whole Heat culture last year, which was one of the reasons given for, and again, this comes back to what we saw after the 30-11 and 11 run, another team that didn't come back the same way the next year, like that was the whole reason for running it back was that these guys got along so well, they enjoyed playing together. They were better than the sum of their parts and they have looked like less than the sum of their parts, whatever their parts are so far this season. See, I'm not sure about that. So I think there's definitely, I'm not trying to say that there's no issue at all, but as far as the sum of their parts, I mean, they just haven't had their parts. And as far as when they, you know, when they had like their two games with an eight man rotation, I thought they played pretty well. Like they played against a Sixers team that obviously it looks like a competent playoff team in the Eastern Conference, and they did it without their three best players and Tyler Hero creating their offense, you know, skinny 20-year-old. Uh, so I'm not really there yet. Like, I'm not. I think I kind of agree with a lot of what Leif said there that, you know, typically, uh, Ethan, you said this a lot, Riley and the Heat will look to about 20, 25 games before they can really evaluate a team, a specific team. And obviously we got this team last season. We saw that they went to the finals. So there's a little bit of a, you know, that's the, that's the buffer. That's the history. But we haven't even gotten, like, have we gotten five games of this team healthy? I'm not even sure. Like, <laughs> that's where we're at right now. And so I definitely feel like, you know, it's not like there's no issues. I think, obviously, the rebounds, the turnovers, the fact that they can't really put together any stretches of, you know, inspired basketball. And I think it definitely is affected by all those factors you just mentioned. I think it's all kind of mixing together to be this, you know, just unfortunate stretch right now. And, you know, that being said, as far as a shakeup trade, I don't know if this qualifies as a shakeup or not. I just, I just think, you know, consolidating some of that back end of the rotation to try to make a, 
you know, a trade for maybe a, another four or another point guard or something like that would make sense for the team. But I think like if the if trade deadline were to pass, it would just be my thought that they need more time to look at this team. I understand any more team time to look at a team. And like you said, it usually is 20 to 25 games. Of course, this season is 10 games shorter. So I don't know if that accelerates the timeline here a little True. bit. Um, the, you know, again, I think there are some in the organization who tend to try to be patient and there are others who may try to sort of push something forward here. I guess what you're saying about consolidating the rotation is interesting because what, one of the reasons I liked the team last year before the season when some people didn't was I said, if you give Spolstra an uncluttered roster, then typically uh, you're in a really good place. Like they cleaned out some of this extra stuff from the year before it was clearer kind of what the pecking order was. And then he'd helped develop some of these young players with his Robinson again, none and what's happened to him uh, hero, etc. It seems like they're kind of back now, Greg, to where they were a couple of years ago where Yes, we did think that putting Kelly Olynyk in the starting lineup and getting to that bench of, again, we didn't, haven't seen Bradley recently, and obviously his COVID situation, a little different than some of the players that came back. Uh, but, you know, they got to Bradley, Dragic, Achua, Iguodala. Seemed like it, that all made sense. But now we're seeing KO, like, in extended minutes, and it's kind of right back to where we've been with Olynyk before, which is, like, there's one good game and there's two that he just totally disappears. So I don't, I don't know that... that again, without what Alex is talking about, which is the consolidation, if this is an uncluttered roster anymore, and not only that, but they've got all these players. Remember a couple of years ago where they had like six two guards, Dion and all these other guys, uh, and Tyler Johnson, et cetera. It seems like they've got duplication at some positions again, and they don't have enough playmaking. Jimmy may solve some of it, but they don't have really a four to complement Bam. Again, maybe it's KZ, maybe it's Precious, but it doesn't seem like they're ready to turn it over to either of them yet. So a roster that looked very clean last year, all of a sudden to me, looks not clean at all. There is a very fine line between um, touting the depth of the roster and the versatility of the pieces and the interchangeability of the pieces and then getting to that threshold where all of a sudden you're talking about clutter on the roster and duplication. And um, it's no secret that the team has targeted players with um, relatively similar skill sets in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there's certain um for you know what i mean and or or prototypes whatever type that is and um that they're, they're looking for those specific players so yeah there's going to be some overlapping skill sets here and there i think that right now when you have guys out of the lineup it kind of magnifies some of the holes that are already there if you had the complete full roster i think you'd see spolster be able to get into a groove with certain things and and jimmy butler probably would solve a lot of stuff as well and i don't want to hang everything on that but i just think it's really important to point out that this team goes as jimmy goes to some degree at least from an emotional perspective and mm -hmm. um and that and that's just a big part of it but i do think that they could look to consolidate but it's going to boil down to what kind of big like consolidation move do you want to make? Because you can make a ton of different con consolidation trades where you're trading for a, another player on an expiring deal. But if you look further than that and you're willing to take back a player that has two or three years left on their deal, um, it opens up the possibilities more, but that would kind of punt on 2021. And that's going to be a decision that eventually the heat are going to be faced with. Well, there's two things that we got to figure out if they want to punt on. One is, do you want to punt on 2021 now that it doesn't look like it 
was supposed to look with no Giannis, no Paul George, whole bunch of other guys that are now knows, right? Or do you, and do you want to punt on this season? And I don't think they're at the point of punting on this season. Remember when they were, what was it? 11 and 30 at, you know, they were, you know, pretty damn close to, to punting on that one. Yeah. That and, is not this at all. No, that's not this at all. And it's, the team is in a different position. And remember again, as we've discussed many times, you know, they basically were supposed to be a meeting between, you know, Ellisberg and Riley, uh, you know, when Andy came off a road trip, like, are we done here? Like, should we sort of cycle it back? Not tank necessarily, but pull back. And then the team went on this winning streak before they ever had a chance to have the meeting. And so they just decided to go forward with it. And then heat fans were pissed about it and they ended up getting bam anyway, even though they didn't tank. I don't think they're ready to punt on the season completely, but here's what I would say. Are you willing to make a move that maybe sets potentially sets you back this season? In other words, you come into the season as defending Eastern conference champions. Most teams that do that, that don't lose significant parts and don't give me Jay Crowder. I mean, I'm with you on this one Leif. I like Jay Crowder. Um, Jay Crowder, as you said, is shooting 10% uh, from three under what he shot here in Miami. Would he help them right now? Absolutely. If they're blaming this on Jay Crowder, they had no chance anyway. Okay, so I'm with you on that. But typically when teams come back relatively intact, as this team did, you're coming off a finals appearance, bubble or no bubble, you're expecting to be competitive to compete for that kind of level again this season. Are you willing to make a trade, Alex, that maybe sets you back a little bit this year in terms of what the chemistry may look like in terms of maybe having to give up more pieces at certain positions than you want to make uh, simply to kind of position yourself for the future. Cause you're basically looking at the Eastern conference and you're like, maybe we can't win this thing anyway. So it's, it's not a tank, but it's a reset in a certain things to, to sort of be prepared for a more normal season in 21, 22. Yeah, so I'm a little bit confused about what this type of trade would look like, like the one that you're trying to describe. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know you're not talking about a tank, but you're saying it, rather than upgrading at the deadline to sell right. off a piece or two or to maybe uh, package like a whole lot of guys for a whole lot of other guys. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a reshuffle, but I, I think, you know what it is more so, more so than the kind of trade that you make. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's not really clear what I'm saying. I, like, it's not, and I'm not saying a trade you make to necessarily set yourself back, but maybe you, you don't make a trade you could make that would push you forward. So like, for instance, mm. Lowry. Okay. Like to me, that that's the biggest example right now. You probably could try to get Kyle Lowry if you wanted to. I mean, Philadelphia could be in the mix. Some other teams could be in the mix here, but you probably could make a run at him. We've talked about the reasons why last year of his contract, they're not even playing in Toronto right now. Are you re-signing him if you're Toronto at age 34? Uh, all of those things The Heat could probably get in play for someone like them. We know that Jimmy would want them to, but they may have to give up an asset or two to do it. Mm. And it may be a trade that on paper looks good under normal circumstances, but maybe Riley or maybe people around Riley convince Riley to say, listen, you're not winning this year anyway. <laughs> Let's wow, not I mean, do that. Let's not give up this piece. I mean, I mean, do you think when do you think we get to that point? Like, what does the record have to be where you say we're not going to make a trade that advance? Maybe it's not a setback, a setback deal, but we don't make the trade that might advance us. I get that. I mean, I think that, that's actually a good question. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think that actually, that actually applies too to the Oladipo conversation because you would probably have to give up guys that are valuable to you, whether it's, you know, Precious, KZ, uh, Duncan Robinson, I don't know. But um, whether for Lowry, for Oladipo, or for another move like that, I think that's actually kind of an interesting conversation because if they just keep losing games, taking themselves out of the picture, what if 
that he look at it that way. Now, again, I think they're going to need to see more time with the team healthy before they make or, you know, they refuse to make that type of move as a result of the season. But yeah. that's actually a good question. Like, you literally caught me off guard here. I'm trying to think. I, I think this would have to go on for another, I don't know, what, what do you think, two weeks where they just, you know, lose more than they win? I think but even then, it's that. just like Pat Riley always wants to win. They're always trying to get better. It feels like, you know, the teams that they beat last season didn't get better. The only team that got significantly better was Brooklyn. So I can see themselves, you know, kind of convincing themselves the other way too. They're only like two games back of the the five seeded Brooklyn Nets. So I just feel like at some point we have to just keep in perspective that the season is young. And I know, yes, four and seven doesn't look good. You lose to D Detroit at home. That doesn't feel good. There was, a, um, you know, just some inexcusable things. The turnovers are inexcusable. And, and the more that they happen, um, I do have to say that there's going to be a point of time where we're going to have to discuss what role the coaching staff has in that, because like, it really has to do with on court stuff here, but they're not for far enough down in the standings to start thinking about like lateral trades or moves to consolidate where like, like for instance, to your point, like Lowry, where you're giving up Duncan Robinson in that trade. I just don't know that that's the type of move that, that, they're going to lean into at this point, but like going all in for somebody else that that may be a bigger thing, you know, like a Bradley Beal type situation. That may be where you want to, you know, put all the chips uh, on the table. Right, so after the break, we're going to get into um, kind of what some moves might look like. But let's before we do, uh, let's address some of the, let's address some of what Greg's talking about and some of the issues internally and what the coaching staff can do to fix it other than just sort of waiting for Jimmy and Avery Bradley and all the other pieces to be back. And I think, I think Jimmy and Avery are going to be a few more days. Okay. What are the things that they can do? So you tweeted out Greg, that it's time to just play Akpala at the four. Now we just, we just went through all of this and did a couple of podcasts about how Olenek finally, you know, found a role here and fit at the four and I feel like we're all ready to abandon it uh, pretty quickly. Also, the Kendrick Nunn situation. Oh, he, I mean, he's bad. He's just unplayable. And, and we, we said this on many pods. I, I don't really know what's happened. I, I understood what happened last year with COVID, with some personal issues he was dealing with, with then losing his starting spot. It just all snowballed on him. But, but then he had two months and he's come back and he, he's worse than last year in some ways, like I've just never seen a guy lose it. He's, he virtually is unplayable and we have to stop this thing with him where heat fans are like, well, if you trade none in a pick, like nobody is clamoring for like, he's not a positive asset at this point. Like he's, th he's a throw in making no money, which makes him, he's unless you have played by Gabe Vincent. Yeah. Right. He's, I, I mean, I mean, he's, he's a hope traffic throw in at this point. Right. I mean, I mean, he might be outplayed by Max Struess if Struess gets more minutes. So it's like, I don't think other teams are even looking. I mean, here's the problem with it. When you have a reputation like the Heat do as an incredible developmental organization, like if you get the credit for that, which the Heat have deserved, well, the problem with that is other teams are going to look at that and they're not going to look at it like the Heat look at certain players where they're like, okay, we can fix this guy. Teams yeah. are going to look at Kendrick Nunn like the Heat can't fix him. He's broken. Yeah, like, they're going to say, right? we can't do anything with him if they can't. Right. So, I mean, who's going to take a chance on him? Like, I mean, Toronto, San Antonio, like there's very few organizations in the league that have, would have the confidence in themselves to do that. You're not going to plug him in on a contending team because you just can't trust him to play those kind of minutes. I don't want to pick on him, but 
there's a couple of people that are going on Twitter at me like, well, when hero struggles, you know, you say to sort of let him play through it. Look, here's why. Okay. Because while Kendrick Nunn was going the opposite direction in the bubble, you know, Tyler hero was averaging 17 points a game in the playoffs and winning playoff games, at least until they got up into the finals. I'm going to let him play through this stuff without a ton of criticism with none. I don't know where it goes, we have to stop looking at some of these players as positive assets. Like you said, Greg, sometimes it looks like great depth, but it's not really great depth. Like Mo Harkless has given him nothing. He's a negative asset right now. None is a negative asset right now. Myers is hurt right now, but he doesn't seem to be part of the plan. So he's not a positive asset until his contract is tradable. They don't have as many positive assets. And I think a really good point was made by Adam, uh, our guy clutch Adam Barai. And I think he's right about this the heat either have really good assets right now or really bad assets. And it, it's making it difficult to make trades, right? Greg, because you can't, yeah. I, I mean, you either have to give up guys. You don't really want to give up at all. You're right. There's nothing else to entice teams. And here's the thing. Like, this is why you really needed Harkless and Bradley to work out. Um, you needed those guys to contribute. Uh, and particularly Harkless was, was a guy that you, when you're losing DJJ and Crowder, Harkless was one of those guys that had to work in some capacity, maybe not to the level of a starter, but you needed him. And so far he's been completely just non-functional. And then like it also goes back to, you know, the $9 million that you allocated to Myers Leonard, he does not even play. You have to start to wonder about like, would a balloon payment to somebody else or um you know like that money towards keeping one of those perimeter defenders like djj i mean you just have to all exhaust all opportunities because now you are faced with a situation where you have this uneven deck of players with value and it's going to impede your ability to make a trade to you know kind of reshuffle the deck and it reminds me a little bit and i you know this is not a place i thought the heat would be going back to it reminds me of, you know, before they figured out how to move Whiteside and JJ and Tyler Johnson um, and, and Dion waiters where the heat's best players were the ones making the least. <laughs> now that's not the case now, but it, it, for a little bit of time, it was like inverted. It was like their, their best players were at the bottom of their salary structure and their least, you know, as you say, functional players were at the top of the salary structure. It's not quite there, but it does seem again, like the, the roster has gotten a little bit mismatched, uh, whereas it didn't look like that a year ago. I'm not saying, look, Bam is worth it. Okay, I, I and people who want to come at me on that, I, I just, I'm not going to agree with you. Bam is worth it. Jimmy is worth it when he's playing. Some Dragic has been by far their best player uh, in terms of impact on the court. If you, he was not good last night in my view. Okay, he had some assists, but he was not good. But if you look, he, he's up like a plus 8.9 per 100 percent per hundred possessions. Nobody else in the team is better than a plus 1.8. Okay. And there's only four guys, including I think Duncan, Jimmy, and I forgot the, the other one who are positives. Okay. So and it's not hero, by the way, he's a big negative. All right. So like, you know, Goran's been really good. So yes, you're getting some production out of those players when they're on the court, but there is some of this, I think there is becoming some of this roster and salary structure issue. And remember it, it's not just, okay. It's not just Harkless or Leonard or none that you're really not getting anything from you're holding a spot for UD. Okay. So that's a non-tradable contract. Uh, you've got Struess. who I don't know who he has any value anywhere else. You, and again, that's two way. Uh, you've got Vincent. I don't think we've seen enough of, and then you have guys like precious and Akpala who've shown you some stuff, but you don't really want to move them. It does create 
some problems for this team. I want to throw, you know what, let's get to the break. But one thing I want to get to is there were some players that were out there this offseason. And in addition to talking about kind of trades and where they can go, you talk, Greg, about salary allocation. They may have made some mistakes here, and, and I think we, we need to address them. Before we do, though, somebody who never makes a mistake, which is why I go to him. He just basically saved me 300 bucks on my car insurance. Louis Peters over at State Farm. This is an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. And as I always talk about, Louis is a big Miami sports fan. Uh, he's probably a little frustrated with what's going on with the heat right now as well. Access 24-7 at louispeters.com, L-U-I-S, peters.com, or you can walk in over at 7750 Southwest 117th Avenue, Suite 207. That is in Miami. Of course, as I said, you can click in or you can call in 305-275-5585. That's 305 275 5585 again it's louispeters.com personalized service tailored to each customer very south florida no cookie cutter solutions all right um we weren't planning on going here but i kind of want to do this quickly you know i'm watching what a guy like christian wood is doing in houston and i'm just sort of reevaluating everything we talked about this offseason there were good players to be had the Heat made the decision, the line in the sand on 2021. I understood it when it came to Crowder. I do. But I do think that there were other players they could have looked at going maybe further out. Greg, do you think there were any misses? I mean, right now, I definitely think that Christian Wood looks like a miss. I think if you can get in the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes, um, that you know could end up looking like a miss. There's probably a few other guys I'm not thinking about off the top of my head that um, – you know, like I, I think you should focus most on who could have been acquired for the mid-level. Um, I think some of the maneuvering that would have needed to been done to acquire a player at above the mid-level with the sign and trade and the hard cap stuff, that could have got a little bit confusing um, and difficult. But I do think it's worth lurking at the mid-level. Um, but that mainly has to do with the fact that uh, like I'm operating under the assumption that they were going to that they had to keep Dragic. And if you were going to be operating with Dragic's cap hold or his replaced salary, once he agreed to his new deal, you were going to be operating above the cap. So you really, your only, um, your biggest spending resource was the mid-level exception. And it's a little difficult when you see that they, you know, that you split it between Harkless and Bradley. Bradley's look good so far. I have no complaints there, but Harkless has been non, really not playable. And then the rest of really the, the, the money that's taking you up to the tax is Myers Leonard. And, and that contract really looks like maybe that they're hoping that they'll need $9 million to throw into a trade and they'll be happy that they're including a $9 million contract that has absolutely no ramifications on the court. Um, so I, I don't know how else to solve that because to your point, when you really look at this, it's so it's early, but there are guys that look like it had you, you know, ponied up, you know, a three-year deal at the mid level. They could have helped on this particular team. Alex, is there anybody that jumps out to you? I mean, you study the market pretty carefully. What, what, what could they have done with the mid level? Maybe. Uh, that's tough. I just think, I think that's kind of easier said than done just because like, it, it seems like they ended up just kind of picking Avery Bradley over some of these guys. Right. And maybe the, you know, just the point of attack defense, and maybe I have that wrong, but like, we know the guys that, that, that we talked about, whether it's, I don't know, Paul Millsap or, 
Wes Matthews, you know, Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant, like you guys said, like, I think Jeremy Grant would have been an awesome investment. Wood too, but I think Grant would have been a, a really, really nice fit for, for the Heat, even though Wood's a good player as well. Uh, those guys were clearly just too expensive for the Heat. And uh, Millsap lost a step over the end of last season. He, he hasn't looked awesome this, uh, you know, so far. The Nuggets can't really defend right now. So I don't know how much they missed out on there. And, you know, with the development of Precious, I don't know that another big necessarily, more so than just a four is what the Heat need. So I'm not sure how much they missed out on there. And I, I don't think there was any four like that that they could have signed there with the mid-level yeah. that, you know, fits the need. Or even a, another guard there. Like, I just don't think that guy was available. I think as far as what they needed, they got, you know, Avery Bradley. They were hoping they could get some playing time and rotation minutes out of Myers and Mo Harkless, and it just hasn't been the case. And it, it was about bigger fish. Like, I think that yeah. we can't lose sight of the fact that they really – made it abundantly clear that it was about a bigger transaction and they were hunting and thinking bigger than the Christian Woods of the world. And I, there's, that's not to demean Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant. Those are great players, but I think the Heat were thinking bigger than that because like they can't, you can't even say that the reason why they didn't go, because they, they could have created 20 million or so of cap space had they, um, you know, like essentially like, all of the contracts that they had just renounced the rights to, they could have created that kind of salary cap space to get in the game for any one of those guys and truthfully gotten them. But it would have been at the cost of Goran Dragic. And, you know, initially it was kind of sold as it was at the cost of bringing back a finals team. But when you look at actually what functionally came back from that team, it was really just about keeping Goran. And at that point it gets a little tricky to justify. Well, it does get tricky to justify because a um, Jimmy never would have abided by that. Uh, B, I don't think Heat fans would have abided by that to let Goran go. And and C, Goran hasn't been the problem this year. I mean, at least not offensively. And so, I, I don't really think you can look askance at that decision. But I, I'm going to look at the list a little bit more carefully as they go forward. Again, I know they didn't want to give up the second year. You look at a guy like Abaka uh, and others who didn't get the kind of money that we thought that maybe they would get. Um, Jeremy Grant, I, I don't know. I mean, Jeremy Grant, I think, first thing, watching him, he, he's impressive. There's no question. He could have helped the Heat. There's no question. He would have been a really good fit at the four. I, I think some of this is a product of just opportunity. I mean, there is nobody else there, really. And and so I don't know that he would have looked like this. Christian Wood is the one we talked about. I mean, it was clear at the end of last season that he had taken a step. I know it took him a little while to get there. And it's just beyond me that Detroit didn't do everything in their power to keep him. Uh, but he looks like he's going to be a really good player for the next, you know, five to 10 years. That's, that's one to take a look at. All right. We got one more thing to do before we do. I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. And that's Biscayne Bay brewing the official craft beer of the Miami Marlins. And also of course, the five reasons sports. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. This is the beer that you can see us drinking on the post-game streams. Make sure you check that out. It's owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. They also have, in my view, one of the best Twitter accounts. So follow them at Biscayne Bay Brew. Uh, they get into South Florida sports just like we do. They're committed to our community and to supporting five reasons so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff. I mean, they just give it to me, which I appreciate. Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers. They're out in South Florida. It's the only beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. All right, I'm going to go to you guys quickly here to close. 
there are interesting players around the league who on bad teams who I could see getting moved here before the deadline. I'm, I'm thinking about a guy like Julius Randall in New York. Okay. He's kind of had a resurgence. There are some others. Is there anybody out there again, when we're talking about a shakeup move, not a Bradley Beal, it's a conversation for another day, maybe not even a Victor Oladipo, which we've talked about a lot. Is there anybody else out there? I'll, I'll, I'll see if either of you guys have one. Greg, that you say, okay, this is a player that they could potentially target that might change the makeup of this team some without screwing everything up. I mean, I think uh, when you look around the league at players that are playing well that could help Miami in certain ways, um, I don't know. I've, I've liked how Rashawn Holmes has looked out in Sacramento as a big man. I think that he's a good scorer and rebounder out there. Um, I also think an interesting option is, is some of what's on Chicago's roster. I don't know how, um, yep. how uh, attached they are to Lori Markinen, and he's going to be a restricted free agent soon. And oh. they also have a player in Thad Young who could help this Heat team a ton right now at the four. And he only has $6 million of his $14 million guaranteed for 2021 if waived by uh, June 30th of 21. So that, that that's another team to keep an eye on in terms of players that fit the mold of maybe uh, a, a team that Miami could jump the gun and make a deal with. Any of those names you like, Alex? Yeah, so I thought when Leif was uh, said Chicago, I I expected that young because that was kind of one of my names too. But the other one, I wasn't expecting you to say Laurie Marketing, but the other one that was on my mind was Otto Porter. Uh, and I didn't know that he wasn't expiring until just now. <laughs> so I would really like Otto Porter for this team if they could somehow make that happen. It doesn't seem like he would be too expensive. He's playing, you know, well for Billy Donovan and the Bulls. But um I think the, the the Bulls are is a good one right there. The other names that I had in mind, you know, we talked about on another pod is uh, trying to figure something out with OKC to unprotect the pick and, you know, send mm-hmm. them Kendrick Nunn and some fillers for George Hill and Trevor Ariza, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. I think something on the margins like that to just make the team make a little bit, uh, you know, more sense, I think is what they need to do. There's a, a big fish who I don't think people thought of as a big fish before. Uh, I'm a little upset at him because he had me lose my prize picks today because he had a, he had a 10-point game and shot really poorly for Chicago. This is a bigger player than some of the other bulls you're talking about. Could they get in the mix as we close here, Greg, um, for Zach Levine? I think they should explore it. I think that the cost of what he will, you know, command from a salary perspective long term is something to look at. Uh, I don't know much about Zach Levine and his approach to the game, but you can absolutely say that his skill set would fit what Miami would need. Uh, and I would need to do a little bit of, you know, recon on his relationship, maybe with guys like Jimmy. Um, but uh, that's an interesting name. And it, it all, it well, Dwayne of- has shouted him out a couple times recently, which, you know, again, that gives you some insight into, I mean, look, when Levine came in, I, rem- I remember talking to him a bit when he came in the league. I mean, he was, baby-faced young guy. I mean, he was playing with Wiggins, and Wiggins was the supposed big star on that team. And you can see the ability with Levine. The thing I give him credit for, I know he's had some run-ins with basically some bad coaches up there, but the thing I give him credit for is when he came in the league, he was not a three-point shooter in any sense of the word. Like, he was athlete. Like, that was it. Dunker, right? He's developed other parts of his game. I don't know how good he is defensively right now. I would need to dig into that. But Alex... If you had Zach Levine as your third star, okay, with Jimmy and Bam, and again, I, we'd have to see what 
hero looked like in, in that scenario, whether or not you're going to keep Duncan. And I think we need to do a full episode on whether Duncan Robinson is worth 18 to 20 million, because I, I think a lot of what we're talking about here depends on whether the heat view him that way. Okay. Um, but with Levine, are you good enough? If you're, if your top three is bam, Jimmy and Zach Levine to win something significant in the East. I just think it depends on what else you've got around them. So I, I think of Zach Levine as a talented player who you could throw into you know, a winning team. And, you know, this is all, this is all me theorizing just off of what I've seen from his game. Cause that's not where he's been doing at all in Chicago. Like I think you could fit him in as a, as a really good score on a winning team, especially one like the heat where, you know, they've got something going already and he could just get his shots off of the system there. And not that he would be some, you know, catch and shoot guy or anything like that. But I just think the way that they're constantly moving around, like they'll be able to uh, get him pretty good looks and get him driving to the basket and, all of that, I think he will be a nice fit, but I just think it depends on what you're giving up. And also like, is there two way balance on the team? That's always been, you know, kind of my thing with, with this heat team for the past couple of seasons is, uh, you know, trade for Levine, but uh, you still got to fix the other holes in the roster as far right. as, you know, just having a, a balanced two way rotation. He makes you more athletic. I'm not sure he makes you better defensively. That That's the thing, but he is, he has he become a buck. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's become a bucket getter. There's no question about that. And, and I mean, he really has rounded out his game. But he's one of those guys that it, he's a different kind of player, but he reminds me a little of Joe Johnson. I always talk about this, like where Joe Johnson was a guy who was just good enough uh, to maybe be a lead guy on a playoff team, maybe. And Joe Johnson had some Atlanta teams where he was the best player and they made the playoffs. But it's like if you're maxing that guy, then <laughs> – he may not be good enough to be worth that. Like he's, he's caught, sort of caught in between. And unfortunately we see a lot of players in the NBA who are really not max players, but they get maxed. He's not Bradley Beal in my view. Like there is a drop off from Beal to him, but I don't know that the drop off is big enough at this stage that I wouldn't explore it. So I'm kind of with you, Greg. I, I think, I think you look at it. I just think it's interesting that Dwayne has tweeted about him a couple of times because we know that that is a bit of a tell <laughs> and, and uh, he seems to be buying into his game. So it's an interesting way to look at it. All right. We covered a lot more in this episode than we planned to. And we got a lot more that we left on the table. So some of that we will cover um, after the heat play against Detroit tomorrow night. Also make sure on Tuesday, check out clutch corner. Of course it was with Adam Barai and also with Royal Shepherd that's on our YouTube channel. Um, and that's also uh, the debut of Alana Tauscher, uh, who, is, who has now joined the Five Reasons Sports Network. She, she's done a lot of heat content over the past few years, so that should be fun as well. Thanks to our sponsors, prizepicks.com. Use the code FIVE. Don't play Zach Levine. Uh, Biscayne Bay Brewing, and, of course, our, state, our friend at State Farm, louispeters.com. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.